Happy anniversary. Huh? Happy anniversary. Three years ago today, City of Angels Investigations became Blue Moon Detective Agency. Oh, goody. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepard. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. started. All right. Hello, Moonies out there. We've got a bonus episode for you today. We've got Ryan K. Michaels. He is the owner and operator of MoonlightingStrangers.com. He's a big Moonlighting fan. We're venturing into the world of fan fiction here. While we talk to Ryan and, you know, let's first of all, welcome Ryan and then hear a little bit about your love of the show Moonlighting, Ryan, and how you got into it and give us a little background with your relationship with the show. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you. Thanks, Ryan, for joining us because I'm really intrigued about what you're about to talk about. So go ahead. Well, just to start, obviously what uh, I have brought so far to the world of Moonlighting is the website, moonlightingstrangers.com. I'm really trying to put everything I can into it to make it the most complete Moonlighting website out there. But a huge piece of that is Moonlighting fan fiction. I have, uh, I don't want to go down too far a rabbit hole here, but I've been a lifelong fan since Moonlighting first started during the first run. And I followed it through DVDs and syndication and and then just kind of watched it fall off the map. And uh, I'm not going to go too far down the Star Wars path here, but I do believe that Moonlighting should have as passionate a fan base as Star Wars does. Maybe not as broad. I know it's not quite the same age range. It's a different subject matter entirely. But as strongly as I love the show, I have to believe that a lot of other people would and still do, but more so would if it was out there for people to discover rather than kind of having disappeared into obscurity. So one of the ways I wanted to try to bring this back into the limelight, as you have done with your podcast, is to create this website that kind of pulls together all of the fan fictions out there that have been written, of which there's quite a bit, and to organize it chronologically. I do want to contribute to it myself. I've written a few of the pieces that are on there, but my goal first and foremost was to organize it chronologically. 
the show's timeline was very kind of iffy and it kind of weeks would go between episodes that were just days apart and then months would pass sometimes uh, maddie's pregnancy according to air date was over a year and a half long a lot of interesting things happened there that resulted in fan fiction being written with inconsistent dates people guessed the best they could etc and so on uh, yeah, just let me interject right there before we go any further, just because I want to clarify for some fans out there that don't know the world of fan fiction, because I do, because I also have contributed stories, but I don't think Grace has really gone down that rabbit hole. So we're kind of representing different perspectives of the audience. But the world of fan fiction, for people who don't know, it's just expanding the universe of a show that you love. So maybe continuing storylines, you know, writing your own stories at home and then posting them online for other fans of that show to read and sometimes writing the wrongs. There's lots of fan fiction out there for just about every show. I would say, I just wanted to expand a little bit on the world of fan fiction for those who didn't know exactly what that was. It's fans writing stories to either expand on a storyline that they liked within a show or maybe fixing something that they didn't like of say David actually showing up in Chicago and convincing Maddie to come back. That might be something that a fan fiction writer of Moonlighting might fix instead of him being thwarted, you know, in Cool Hand Dave, he would actually show up and, you know, they'd have a conversation, he'd bring her back to LA or, you know, fix that in fan fiction. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of satisfying in a way. Would you say, Ryan? Yes, absolutely. In fact, for many years after the original run, when the DVDs came back around, I really only bought the first three seasons because I was so disappointed in where the show had gone after that, that uh, I just didn't even want to go down that road again. For me, it ended with I Am Curious Maddie, although I have since learned to love To Air as Human. But um, oh, yeah. for a long time, I kind of put those seasons four and five off to the side. And uh, only once I really started digging into the fan fiction, did it all kind of come back together, made it easier to take. Sometimes the mm-hmm toughest moments of a show are the ones that inspire the best writing from fans. And um, just to kind of circle back to the whole chronological order of everything, I did want to create this kind of foundation or this baseline. The dream is that as hopefully Moonlighting is soon to go streaming or is discovered by a new audience, as well as old fans, that'll inspire another wave of writing from whoever's out there. So the goal is to create the framework by which People can look at this timeline and say, okay, this is what happened on this day, and this is where the relationship was at this point, and so on and so forth. And so in going through the show, uh, it became evident for some of the reasons that I've already mentioned as far as days, you know, real time versus air time, Maddie's pregnancy, et cetera, that there was a time issue. And uh, the simplest way to summarize, to make it most evident that it is, in fact, a real thing, is mm-hmm. to just to look at Herbert Viola's arrival and things he says during the Sam period of time. In Blonde on Blonde, he tells David, I know I've only been here a couple of months, and this is probably none of my business. You know, he talks about he, there might be a personal thing between David and Miss Hayes. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he has acknowledged he's only been there for a couple of months. Well, a few episodes later, the next few episodes going through to Harris Human take place over the next five days. And then in A Trip to the Moon, it is revealed that he and David and Maddie have been together for three and a half weeks. So roughly a month from blonde on blonde to a trip to the moon, 
in which Agnes says, on this day three years ago, Blue Moon came to be, or something to that effect. This is the third anniversary of Blue Moon. So at that point, we know that Blue Moon has been around for three years, and Herbert Viola has only been there for you know a couple months, three months. It actually comes to about four months once you add the time of David and Maddie together. So going back to the beginning, March of 85, when the pilot aired through Symphony Knocked Flat, which was October of 1986, is all pre-Herbert Viola, all in relatively close to air date time. And it's fairly accurate. In my timeline, I shuffle things around to align with reality. If there's a week that would be Thanksgiving, I move it away from Thanksgiving. I get really in the details and in the weeds as far as trying to tie it to reality. One example, and I won't go too far down this, is just, you know, if David says you've got tickets to a Lakers game, I made sure it happened on a day there was an actual Lakers game in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. along with just tying it to real, real world time, basically Herbert Viola is the cutoff. Anything pre-Viola is right on track, March of 85 to October 86, 19 months. And then we jump ahead because the third anniversary of Moonlighting would be March of 1988 three years after the pilot. Yeah. So anything Herbert Viola lines up gets moved ahead just a little over a year, which I've called the lost year on the website. And then from Herbert Viola on, things track pretty well. That actually helps to narrow down Maddie's pregnancy to a real world time frame. I think that's mm-hmm. largely by luck. I think a trip to the moon when they announced it was Blue Moon's third anniversary, they just said it because it was the third season premiere or fourth season premiere, which would have made for three years of time. But it worked out. So anyway, that is the lost year huh. between Symphony and Knocked Flat and Yours Very Deadly, which is, I think, prime time for fan fiction. I think a lot of fans would agree that early season three was really just something special. Even in a series that was something special, it, it was kind of next level to have David and Maddie go out and have this fine and fun date contest be what leads into this year of untold stories, I think is just, I was happy that it worked out that way, that that's where the year would fall. When you said about in Blonde on Blonde, Herbert says he's only been there a couple of months. Now, his first episode was Yours Very Deadly, which was October 86. Right. And Blonde on Blonde was February 87. So wouldn't that work? Well, it works up until on In a Trip to the Moon when Agnes says this is the three years ago today Blue Moon started. That immediately sets A Trip to the Moon in March of 1988. Yeah, that's right. Three Which, years after the pilot. Yeah, that's right. Where it was actually September 87. So yeah. Yes. So that A Trip to the Moon, Agnes's three-year anniversary quote is what really moves everything up. Yes. That drags Bert's arrival with it all the way up a full year later to November of 87. And in Poltergeist 3, De Pesto Nothing, which is right before Blonde on Blonde, he tells Agnes he's been there for two and a half months. So interestingly enough, it is during the Sam saga that all these two and a half year references start dropping. The first one actually technically was It's a Wonderful Job, which is kind of a dream time frame, but it fits. But it's around this time frame and during the Sam saga, they start talking about two and a half years. But what really locks it down is that Agnes's quote that it's Blumen's third anniversary, which is March of 1988, which, again, really helps the timeline of Maddie's pregnancy, which ended in 
later in 1988. Mm. My timeline has to move that sooner, her losing the baby, because A Womb with a View didn't air till December of 1988. So it gets moved back a couple of months for a realistic pregnancy time frame. But that third anniversary of A Trip to the Moon really is, is fitting. It really tied it all together. Is that what alerted you by what Agnes said? It is. Yeah, I, I tried to just kind of, for a little while, I kind of ignored it, but it was there. It was unavoidable. And um, there are certain things that are said throughout the show, like in Cool Hand Dave Part 2, when David is released from prison at the end, the narrator says on December 1st, I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's the air date. On yeah. December 1st, 1987, David Addison was released from prison. And that cannot be correct because that would put his release from prison before Blue Moon's third anniversary of March 1988. (laughs) So that particular reference is just wrong. But in putting this lost year in there to separate before Herbert Biola and with Herbert actually corrects most of the references that are made throughout the series. It corrects a lot of things. And uh, I think a lot of that is luck. It's not, there are a few references that are a little bit still off, but for the most part, it just fits. And, um, it just works. One thing to kind of help, you're doing a good job of explaining it, Ryan. I just want to um, let fans know on moonlightingstrangers.com, Ryan's website, he has really laid out very clearly with links and screen captions and then some explanation about this timeline issue. And going over what you've posted on there, Ryan, um, I've kind of went down the rabbit hole myself to try to understand. So basically, and tell me if I'm correct here on on what you're explaining. Bert enters the picture with um, yours very deadly. And the air date on that was October 86. Okay. And then to bookend that on a trip to the moon, Agnes says, happy anniversary. It's been three years, three years ago today, City of Angels investigations became blue moon. Okay. Now that air date was February 87. But we know when blue moon opened, and that was March of 85. So to make that true, when Agnes says three years ago today, that has to be March of 88, right? And yes, with Bert saying, you know, it's been two and a half months and all of that, the last year that you're talking about, if it's true, when Agnes says in a trip to the moon, that is the three-year anniversary, that would have to be March of 88. That would mean that Bert actually arrived at blue moon, October 87, right? So, yes. Okay. It's actually... As I've dissected it as finely as can be done, I think, um, his arrival was on November 10th of 87. In Poltergeist 3, he tells Agnes that he's been there two and a half months, which aligns mm-hmm. with that air date of, it's a year off, but then yes, yeah. it, that leads into the whole blonde on blonde, yeah. Sam through to a trip to the moon, third anniversary. Yeah. Now, the other thing I noticed was, um, okay, Maddie left. So a trip to the moon actually aired February of 87. Then Maddie leaves. Okay. She's gone for four months. That's what we find out in Tracks of My Tears. She's been gone for four months, right? So that would mean that she got back in June of 87. But as you said, in Cool Hand Dave, David was released from prison December 1st, 87. So that can't be right on their timeline. <laughs> so right, exactly. Okay. Seems a lot of the times they just went with the air date. Yeah, they just that episode, Cool Hand Dave, part two is December 1st of 1987. And that's when they announced he was released from prison. So 
when you say, so when Agnes says it's been three years ago today, you're saying, so that all fits. So like, what does it fit into? I guess is my question. It fits into that, to proving that there was a lost year. Well, it does, because if you follow from the pilot to symphony knocked flat, that's 19 months. That's a year and a half, essentially, a little over a year Mm -hmm. and a half. In the very next episode, Herbert Viola arrives, and we're four months away from 36 months. You know, the year has to be, it has to be before Herbert Viola arrived. His arrival is the defining point of when the lost year ends. And we're back, we're a year later than when we were in Symphony and Knocked Flat. Mm-hmm. And um, the first three episodes of season three, I've kind of, in a previous conversation, I said that it would have been nice if there could have just been a clean break between seasons two and season three, and just say there's a lost season there. But yeah. the first three episodes of season three, The Sun Also Rises, makes references to the 1986 Emmys. Mm-hmm. And then um, Symphony and Knocked Flat, actually, this is really grasping, but that has the cold opening with The Temptations which was filmed at the same time as they filmed Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd for the Soul Man video, which is a movie that came out in 1986. So Symphony Knocked Flat is left behind pre-lost year for those reasons, but also because what a great starting point for Maddie and David to be at for this lost year of fan fiction that could potentially mm. tell stories of what happened during that lost year. Okay. It's, uh, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, I see. I don't know if you've looked at the website lately, but I've really tried to section these time periods off just for fun more than anything else. Explaining, you know, the opening of the Star Wars movies, the text that scrolls up across the screen to explain where things are at during this particular section of time. And uh, during the lost year, so to speak, I like to imagine that Maddie and David are both so enamored with each other that they don't pursue anything else, and yet so frightened of each other that they don't really make a move. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like this friend zone. I don't know if you've ever seen that show where these people have been friends forever, and one of them has feelings for the other but hasn't said anything. Uh, but in yeah. this case, it's both of them having these feelings for each other and neither saying anything, but yet still being dedicated enough to not pursue anything else. That's just how mm-hmm. I imagine it. It's a good year for uh, Maddie and David in my mind. Well, it's interesting because, um, see, you're looking at it like a gap year in the middle of the airing of Moonlighting, where 
there are things that happened, maybe episodes, you know, that could have aired that we didn't see. So fan fiction writers could fill in the gap of time. I think how I look at it, and and Grace can speak to her thoughts or views on it. I look at it as, I guess, linear time. I don't really see it as um, time lost in the middle. I think I see it as them stretching out. Grace and I were talking about like TV time, you know, um, the world of TV, um, how they see the timeline isn't always exactly matching up with our reality. And I think because when Sybil went to go have her babies, there were gaps of time between episodes airing. Everything seemed so stretched out that, like you said, by the time the third season episode premiere aired, they were just like, ah, we're three years in here, you know, third season. So to me, it's just like them stretching out time, not, not really like a gap of time missing, you know, to me, but I don't know, Grace, do you have any thoughts on that? But I, I like your perspective, Ryan, you know, it's interesting and, and good for fan fiction writers. I really love what Ryan's done. We look at through each episode as much as we can anyway, with a microscope. He's really got down to dates and, and characters and what they've said, which is great. And that's right. Shauna and I were talking about it last night and, um, I've never taken much notice of it because, you know, how it is in TV shows in their land, not our land, not our particular calendar, but their calendar, a few months might have passed. So Mm -hmm. when somebody says yesterday or two months ago or whatever, it's like, yeah, that's fine because that's in their time. And this is why I've never actually looked at the timeline, but I see what you're saying, Ryan, and it makes sense. When Mr. Pesto says about the three years, obviously, yeah, I think they're just referring to the seasons, which is not three years at all because the first season only had six episodes. So, yeah, it's a very interesting theory. It's very interesting if you really sit down and think about it. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't actually work out with dates and with what Agnes says. And the only thing that fits really is Bert because it actually works out when he says, oh, I've only been here a couple of months, which is true because – Let's just say he started on the 28th of October, 86, and then he says that in February, 87. So that sort of makes sense. But, yeah, well, you're right with the cool hand, Dave, with the dates. Yeah, they've just gone by the air date. It's not a huge issue. Um, no. In fact, mo- like I said, other, other than that cool hand, Dave reference, they didn't really hammer on dates too much. So things can be arranged with the year added where it, it, uh, it fits. And the interesting thing is, which you talked about TV time, where a certain amount of time happens in their world versus reality. The funny thing is, it's the early year and a half from the pilot to uh, Symphony Knocked Flat. That time period was much more episodic. You know, I mean, any episode was kind of its own story. There wasn't so much tying one episode to the next. There was a slow building of their relationship. But for the most part, they were just individual stories. And it really didn't matter. Uh, what yeah. the timeline was. There wasn't a lot of continuity. But, right. And that is, that's actually the time period that aligns best with reality, which is sort of the opposite of what you would expect. Because once David and Maddie get together, Sam's there for five days, or at least from blonde on blonde to, to Ares human is five days of time, which took several months of reality of episodes. And then Maddie's pregnancy gets all stretched out and her time in Chicago they got a lot more vocal about time and the episodes were a lot more focused on time. And yet that's where it went off the rails in terms of production and reality. Like I said, it's just kind of interesting where you drop in that year and it just scooches everything up 
Maddie's mm-hmm. pregnancy then becomes realistic. It just works better than you'd expect on something that I think was largely by luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's funny. It solves all kinds oh, of problems, though, to drop that year in there. A lot of what they did that worked out was by luck, I think. You know, at that time, they were just kind of fly by night, kind of were doing things the last minute and and they fell upon a lot of luck. But yeah, a couple other thoughts, I guess, on that is that we were talking about last night, Grace and I, is that, yeah, moonlighting, they locked themselves into a little bit of a timeline with the anniversary dates because we know, you know, they're, when they celebrate their first anniversary, that is like a year after. So if that's true, then the third anniversary has to fall on a date in March as well. For one, my other thought is, I reckon that Sybil was actually gone from the moonlighting set. Um, they filmed a trip to the moon, you know, right after to Eris Human, even though it didn't air until months later. So I think Sybil was probably gone, you know, from April until the next January. So she was gone from the set almost a year, you know, and in the writer's minds and the crew minds and, you know, Bruce's mind. <laughs> there's a huge gap of time that's um, missing as well, you know? So I think sure. all those things behind the scenes with trying to make some of these timelines work on the show kind of relate to what you're outlining here, Ryan. Yeah, it was nice to kind of put all this together as far as the timeline goes. I'm hopeful to inspire stories of before Moonlighting and stories. There's plenty of stories spun off from either some midpoint in the show or sequel type stories after the show. and so. I've tried to organize it to where there's room for this pre-moonlighting era and post-moonlighting era, and just to have this period of time right in the middle of it, it was just kind of a nice, nice bonus. Eventually, I plan to do more writing myself. Like I said, I've done a few, I've done a handful of stories that address kind of key points that I think I always wished had been addressed. But for the most part, I've been trying to get this baseline for everybody. Um, we've got a handful of writers out there that are producing very nice stories. I'm happy to say that uh, we don't go too long, you know, between new story editions. Like I said, it's after years of having kind of turned away from seasons four and five, having all of this wonderful writing of fans around those seasons and after really just makes it a whole lot easier to take, I guess, so to speak. For a long-suffering fan who wished it might have gone a different way in the end on screen, it's yeah. there in the writing. Yeah. And, uh, I think a lot of times fan fiction gets underappreciated. I was hesitant to jump into it, but once I did, with this show in particular, there are a lot of really passionate fans out there and have been for a lot of years, and to go scour the web and find stories, there's stories even just talking about that, the people I've met online who have created virtual moonlighting or moonlighting in the 21st century, or um, Sue, who I know you wrote a lot of stories with, Shauna, her collection of stories. It's been a very fun experience meeting these people working with them. I've got to throw a nod out to Marlena, who is one of our current writers. She has done yes. more for season five than uh, I think anybody could have hoped for. She's done wonderful things, giving it some of the emotional depth that I think we all would have liked to have seen on screen. Yeah, I've got available concepts out there, things I throw out there, hoping to inspire people to maybe if they don't know where to start, maybe this is an idea for an episode. And she's grabbed some of those as well as doing her own work. And, uh, it's funny how intense you can get about it, you know, in discussing, well, I think this should go this way, or this is what would happen or with these characters or what wouldn't. And maybe you've run into some of that, Shauna, in collabing with other authors. But, uh, or maybe you just have fun with it and don't stress yourself out on, on the details. But uh, I take it seriously, but fun seriously. Yeah. 
you're 100% right with that, Ryan. You know, um, Sue, who was a big part of our moon landing community for years, uh, sadly passed now. But uh, when I first started talking with Sue about moonlighting, and yes, like like you were saying, Ryan, we all kind of have a wound. We carry a wound with us about this show because things in season four and season five didn't go exactly how we really wanted. So Sue and another woman, Sandra, at the time, they had some fan fiction that I read. And that was my first view or going down the path of the fan fiction world. And I was amazed. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. This sounds just like Maddie and David and the world is fixed. You know, you can almost heal those wounds through these stories because it really opens up to other possibilities. And there's so many good writers out there that really help fix that and current ones today as well. But then Sue encouraged me to write stories. And I was like, me write stories? I couldn't do that. She's like, yes, you can. I want you to write a story. She really encouraged me. And I did. And I found it very satisfying. And then Sue and I would brainstorm a lot about story ideas. And we would just laugh. And we just had such a great time, you know. Um, so, yeah, we would yeah. write stories. And we wrote them separately. We wrote them together. Just kind of helped heal that wound and then connect with the community. It's just a lot of fun, too. You know, we had a lot of fun doing it. So, that's why I love your website as well, you know, because it gives fans an outlet to kind of tap into that creative side. Yeah, it's been good for me. I, like I said, I haven't written many stories, but I've done a few. And just to be able to contribute a little piece to that, it's just something special. And in more recent days, I've actually managed to come up with scouring the web and found a couple of spec uh, scripts that had one of which had been written for the show at the time and never was made into an episode. Another one somebody had written for a college course, literature course. But I'm on the trail of these spec writers, scripts that were written back in the day that didn't quite make it. Anything and everything that's out there, I've really tried to, that's respectful to the characters and the spirit of the show, pull it all together. There's a whole section of uh, using the mythology of the show, not to go down too far another rabbit hole, but (laughs) um, the characters of Jerome and Albert really open things up. Jerome talking about the past lives of David and Maddie, the fact that they're connected through all these lifetimes. Then Albert, who presents the possibility of, now on screen, it could be a dream. It probably is just a dream, but raises the idea of an alternate timeline. If Maddie wanted to go back and sell Blue Moon early on and get away from that life, this is what that would have looked like. And so having Jerome in there speaking of these other lives and Albert with his alternate timeline talk, it makes it all seem more valid even to throw in these different timelines that people create. One different decision is a different path taken, leads you down a whole other series of stories. It's just like a playground where you can just explore what is, was, or might have been. There's just something liberating about that. And it just kind of makes it easy to ditch the baggage of maybe the show didn't go exactly the way you want, but you care enough and uh, it's worth still hanging with these characters and being a part of it and contributing to it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Grace, have you ever gone down the rabbit hole of fan fiction? Have you read any of those stories for Moonlighting or other shows? That no, you... I, know. I know about it, but I haven't written anything. I haven't seen anything, but I definitely will check out Ryan's website. I did have a quick look last night and I love what you've done. There was so much to go through. I just wanted to say, I think the Moonlighting fans had to find a way to take control They obviously didn't have control over the storyline, the scripts, what came out. So I think it was a great way of them to, you know what, I'm going to write my own script. This is how it should have ended. This is how I feel their relationship should have flourished. 
And psychologically, I think it really helped the fans to do that. I think it was a form of closure and say, look, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to rewrite season five or I'm going to write a story that makes me happy. And I think psychologically they had to do something. And a lot of them, from what I hear, have written some wonderful stories. So you've inspired me to go and have a look, Ryan. So thanks for your website. It looks terrific, what I've seen so far. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. If I might, I pointed out to Sean, I hate to do a little self-promotion here, but one story that I did create was actually a video, an episode, and I don't know, Grace, you've seen that. I think Shauna, you've watched it, called Boink to the Future. It's pretty down low on the homepage. It's down under Albert's alternate timeline, and uh, it actually ties in a little bit of Back to the Future with Maddie's quote at the end of Lunar Eclipse, where she says, if we could go back and do these five years over again, and uh, actually has them doing that, not five years back, but back to where at the time, this was before I created the whole website and got into the timeline. This was my first bit of therapy for myself as far as the show goes, was to create this alternate timeline spun off from the end of I Am Curious Maddie. It's a 58-minute episode, really, and a lot of it's silent film, which removes the dialogue and just puts music over it. It was my first contribution to the world of moonlighting before I did the website. I guess I'd just like to plug that for something for you to check out maybe when you have an hour or so and uh, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Boink to the Future, that's uh, the video Ryan's put together. And then his website is moonlightingstrangers.com. And again, what he's done is gone along with the time frame of Moonlighting and organized all the fan fiction stories chronologically on the website, which is great. And then there's a lot of media. Um, He's got different fan videos or pictures of Sybil and Bruce, Maddie and David, the photo gallery, and different interviews that they've done over the years and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really a collection of all things moonlighting from videos, fan fiction, and beyond. Right, Ryan? Yes. If it's out there, I try to grab it and pull it in and and make it part of the website so that hopefully anything and everything you're looking for is there. And uh, if not, let me know and I'll add it really trying to pull it all together. What I'm really hoping happens here is just to tie it back again. There was a time in 1990 where Star Wars was a late 70s, early 80s movie phenomenon. And then Moonlighting was a mid to late 80s TV phenomenon. And as of 1990, there was kind of a downtime for both. And uh, two things that I think put Star Wars back in the limelight were George Lucas being all about merchandising versus Glenn Gordon Karen, who is very anti-merchandising, which I'm not judging him on that. I agree with him on that in a lot of ways. But to not have any product in stores to keep the show in people's consciousness didn't help. But it was this, what I call the expanded universe. It was authors started writing stories that really stirred Star Wars back up again into the minds of people and eventually led to the prequels and led to a whole lot of things ever since that you would never think it was just this three movies back in the 70s and 80s and a couple of TV shows. It's gotten so much bigger than that. Whereas these days, it's hard for a lot of people to imagine the phenomenon that Moonlighting was back in the 80s as well. You kind of had to live there and be there for it to know it. And I think it can get there again. I think you just have to keep talking about it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see when it's uh, re-released hopefully later this year or early next year and see what fan base it brings and what goes along with that. Hopefully people can appreciate it like we did in the eighties. Hope so. I think, I think they will. I think so. Consciously optimistic. <laughs> Me too. Quality is quality. 
Exactly. Quality never fades. It holds up. Thank you so much for your contribution to the Moonlighting Metaverse. <laughs> We're all adding to it in our own way. And yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, Ryan. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. I love the podcast. And uh, thank you for allowing this episode to happen in terms of recording between Symphony and Knox Flat. And uh, yours is very deadly. It's in right where that lost year goes. And uh, it's kind of fun to have it right in this place. Thanks, Ryan, for also keeping Moonlighting alive. We want as many people as possible to keep Moonlighting in the psyche of all the fans and also introduce it to a new generation of fans, which I hope that happens once it streams. We don't know when that's going to happen, but hopefully there'll be a new set of uh, Moonlighting fans out there. It's nice to talk with fellow fans that just care enough to hear, hear about it and want to talk about it. Thank you very much for being with us today and thank you for all the work you've done so far. I love the detail. Yep. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yep, I love that. <laughs> we try to be too with the episodes. You know how detailed we can get. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us on Moonlighting the Podcast. Thank you so much. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. The podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.